Sisters, it's Stephanie and Sam, and you're listening to McHugh, an American podcast for McFly. In this podcast, we review McFly's music single by single and album by album. Today, <laughs> we're focusing on Lies, the second single from Radioactive. Joining us today is our friend and yours, Davis Donovan. Say hi, Davis. Hi, Davis. Tell us what you know about McFly. I know, well, you made me listen to some McFly over New Year's. I'm sorry. No, we no. Made, did we make you or did you <laughs> sit there willingly? I sat there willingly in that I did not leave the room simply because <laughs> McFly was playing. It was it was over New Year's. It was at Steph's house. And I didn't really think a lot about it because I didn't expect to need to retain any of that information so my brain just kind of jettisoned it later but I picked up a few things about McFly I think the main thing I picked up at that time was that they are bigger in the UK than they are in the US Mm -hmm. that they are associated in some way with a band called Busted who I had never heard of I had Mm -hmm. heard of McFly I'd at least like heard the name I was vaguely familiar that there was a band called McFly and that I also associated them with a couple of other bands. Like for some reason in my head, I associated them with Five Seconds of Summer. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if they have any actual overlap with that band or if they're just sort of in the same sphere. I don't know if they do. Well, it's not the weirdest comparison to make, right? They're both both Brit pop. Yeah. And like they had that One Direction connection. The other thing I knew about them is One Direction connection. Right. Five Sauce is actually from Australia. Oh, so yeah, I don't know. But I get what you mean. Yeah. But like One <laughs> like one Direction and McFly do have a connection. Because Tom and Niall wrote songs together. So they know each other. And then Five Sauce and One Direction know each other. They went on tour together. They're friends. It's not the weirdest so. comparison to make. I get it. Right. So, I mean, like, I vaguely had a sense of where they were in, like, the grander scheme of things. But very vague. And probably incorrect in a lot of ways. Yes. So as you know, friends at home, we love to bring on McFly virgins to this podcast and send them the video with no context and have them react. So Davis is our McFly virgin this time. It's going to be great. Before that, Stephanie knows stuff about the song. I know stuff about the song and the single. So Lies was released on September 15th, 2008. It debuted at number four on the UK singles chart. It has received platinum status certification for sales over 170,000 copies in Brazil. On September 17, 2008, the song was added to BBC Radio 1 and 2's A-list. And Tom has stated this is one of their darkest songs they have ever written to Is date. it? I wanted to talk about that in particular. <laughs> uh, okay. I saw that on Wikipedia and I was... I, I wanted to talk about that statement. That feels bold. I don't think this song is that dark. I don't, now keep I, in mind, you've listened to probably right. like four McFly songs. Like, right. And so I, I wanted to, one of the first questions I wanted to ask you, if I may, was, yeah. is this actually a dark song for McFly? Because I feel like it's kind of a basic gripe about a human being that you would just... Right. It's not like it's not like dark, like murder ballads, dark, right? I mean, it's right. like, no, it's just like I don't like you, woman, and that's about <laughs> it. <That's... Right. laughs> it's angry in a way that their it's songs are not always that angry. But their second right. album has a song about a woman who dies by suicide. How is this song darker than she falls asleep? She Falls Asleep is more of like, I feel like a heartbroken ballad rather. And this is just like angry. And I don't like, I guess like you have different definitions of dark. Dark lyrics could be like Davis said, like murder ballads. And maybe McFly are like, yeah, this is edgy. Like, okay, boys, whatever. It's also not even their angriest song from this album. What would you say their angriest song is then? Well, we haven't talked about the whole album yet. So spoilers. But Corrupted, I think, is meaner than this song. Really? Yeah. I'm going to look up the lyrics to Corrupted right now so that you can have an outside judge. Do it. I don't know if Corrupted is as mean. Banging on your door. So why do you let me in? Falling through the floor. Diving in too deep. Underneath your skin. Okay, here's here's where I feel there, there's a difference between this song and Lies. Is I know what Lies is about. And I don't know what Corrupted is about. And maybe it, it, I'm reading the lyrics... Well, I, it seems to me to be like some imagery that is vaguely sort of like words like decayed and like broken and corrupted. And it, it's just, it, it, whereas lies is, has a characters 
and a simple story, right. but a story at least. And and I don't see that with Corrupted. Corrupted reminds me of some stuff I, 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 I wrote when I was very young and like writing angsty teenage lyrics and Corrupted kind of reminds me of that. And then like Lies reminds me of like a classic country song where like, <laughs> like George Jones is like, you broke my heart, woman. I'm going to drive my tractor into your house. And like, right. that's yeah. more... <laughs> Corrupted to me is about a toxic relationship. Yeah, for sure. And the toxic the toxicity of the relationship is mutual. As like lies is meaner because like they really hate this woman. But corrupted, it's like two people that shouldn't be together, but they are. Right. I see what you're saying. They really do hate this woman. Did you see the quote where Tom was like, Yeah, it's about a real bitch of a girl? Yeah. yeah I, <laughs> I wanted to talk about whether you felt like that how you felt about that considering that i think their fan base is very largely primarily female yeah and Mm -hmm. and i don't know that i like that the sexual politics he was putting forward in that statement i mean if if and maybe it would be different if i mean it wouldn't necessarily be good but like do you do you think that maybe with the context of their fan base and being like men who are mostly performing for women not that that's who they're for, but that just is the reality of their mm-hmm. fan base. Do you think that's a little better? Yeah, it shocked me to read it, right? Like, they're like, yeah, and we did have someone in mind when we wrote it. And I was like, oh my God, like, who is she? Like, can you imagine being that person? I hope she doesn't know. The language surprised me. And I don't know what interview this is from. I don't know what source it's from because I also read it on Wikipedia like the rest of us. So I had never heard Tom say that this song was about a real bitch of a girl until this week. So it surprises me because they don't usually talk about women that way in their songs or in their public life. It's true. As far as I know and as far as like I've read because they have a whole autobiographic right. And they're very respectful towards women. But I understand sometimes women be bitches, but also men be bitches, too. Yeah, they're just really upset in this song. They're, they're really mad. You know, like, we hope she burns in hell at the end. And I was like, oh, my God. It's like, so real good time tune then. Like, we're, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we're really we're here for a good time. Yeah, it's it's unusual. And I get I guess if we think about it like that and we go back to this question of like the darkest song, like none of their other songs are this upset about a woman or a relationship. Right. There are lots of breakup songs like most of their songs up until now are like they're either love songs where it's like happy or most of them are about like women who reject them and they're like bummed about it right or they're like trying to get the attention of this like girl that will never talk to them and this is their first this so to give you some context davis like this is their third studio album and they're in their early 20s right now and so their their first couple of albums they were teenagers right they were like literally 16 or 17 years old and so a lot of it was like right like how can i get this girl at the party to notice me i'm a loser right and so this is the first time i feel like that they're like actually i'm not a loser like you're just terrible Um, (laughs) i mean when you describe it like that it does feel a little bit different (laughs) yeah i mean there's a long tradition and of many good songs of men angry at women i mean and and women angry at men vice versa but you know i was joking about like george jones earlier but like i like a lot of classic country music and a lot of it is like anger, cross gender anger, and uh, I think that's a valid expression for for music. I, so I'm I'm not saying like, oh, bam, I'm labeling them as sexist. That's not you know. It's more just like let's talk about the context in which they were saying it, and you know, thinking a little bit about their fan base as well, and like they them being you know mindful of of their role with their fans. For sure, yeah. I think it matters that it was 2008. Right? Like, I think this song is a total banger. Um, and I think most of the fan base also really likes this song. But Stephanie and I were just talking about this a couple of weeks ago because we were like going through songs, like giving them narrative. Because we're like, what if we wrote a McFly musical? And like, what characters would sing like what songs? And when we got to this song, I told Stephanie, I was like, I'm not comfortable today who we are. Right. And the kind of art that we want to make. I am not comfortable having this song in a musical where a man sings it to a woman. Right. And so the the only way that we could include it is if we like gender swapped it or we took it out of a romantic context and just like had two men having a fight or something because it's 2021 now. But the song, I think, is still wi- widely popular. 
I really like the song, despite it being about a girl that is terrible. Because sometimes people are terrible. Sometimes people are terrible. Looking at the lyrics, I don't think there's anything specific enough, aside for uh, aside from him saying girl a couple of times and calling her baby a couple of times. There's nothing like specific enough to say even this is a song about people in a relationship. It, yeah. it, except for the girl and baby, this could easily be a man talking to another man. Right. And that's sort of the context that we were creating around it that like made me feel a little bit better. I also was just thinking about the song on Wonderland, Bubble Rap, right? Like Danny literally in that song is like, life's a bitch and so are you. (laughs) So I guess there's that. It's not, that's a much more sad song, but he does call that, the woman in that song a bitch as well. I actually weirdly feel better about that for some reason, and I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, it, that was a really great line. Yeah, it's yeah. a good line. <laughs> yeah, he's like, life's a bitch and so are you, you know, like, was I just another ghost that's been in your bed or something? That song has some great lyrics. You should look that yeah. song up after You would this. love Bubble Rap, David. <laughs> Sorry we didn't invite you on for Bubble Rap. No, it's okay. I like the name of the song. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm guessing it's not from Veggie Tales. It is oh. not. <laughs> that would be wild. Veggie Tales is, is like a life's song. a bitch, and so are you. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually like the moral of Veggie Tales. If you watch the whole show, like, you would not expect it. Be like Larry the cucumber. How could you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, and you wrote the book on how to be a liar and lose all your friends. Did I mean nothing at all? Was I just okay? So here's a way in which that song is different. He says, "Was I just another ghost that's been in your bed?" thus implying at least some sort of relationship. Right. Making this mm-hmm. song different from lies in that there are specifics about the nature of their relationship. Right. Did McFly write this song? I assume so, yeah. Yeah, because Tom says when he's like, it's about a real bitch, a girl, right? He says it's a combination I, I, of several yes. girls that they've met along the way, but they also did have a girl in mind when they wrote it. So yes, McFly I looked at the songwriting credits and it is credited to McFly. Yeah. Uh, three members of McFly, yes. Okay, great. Because Google just says Angela King. And I was like, who is that? (laughs) I hope it's not the one this song's about. I hope that woman doesn't know. I would never want to know. If McFly wrote a song about me and it was this song, I would rather not know. I think we've talked about this before. Like, I forget what song we were talking about it with. Obviously. I think we talked to... I think no, no. I wasn't obviously. We were like, would you want to know... Like, would you brag about a song being written about you? Even if it was bad? And personally... Yeah, like, like, yeah, I inspired a whole ass song. So Shay and I were talking about this the other day. You know the song Mr. Brightside by The Killers? Yeah. Yes. Okay, I didn't actually know what the story behind that song was until I looked at the lyrics. And it's about him, like, walking in on his girlfriend cheating with him with another man. And I was thinking about how that song has been, like, that song is, like, the ultimate, like, karaoke song now. And it's, like, completely devoid of all context. And, like, how weird it must be, both for her, to just, like, go into pubs and hear that. But it's a brutal, like, if you look at the lyrics, it's brutal. It's a very... that's a dark song like that's a really like i walked in and i like the hurt that he's going through it's a brutal brutal song it's like that's just she's walking in and hearing that like bad karaoke renditions of that and he has to go out and (laughs) sing it every night and relive it i mean it's like how does the the songwriting is like such a weird thing to like call these things into existence and then like see like thousands of people like yeah lies lies like that's so the bizarre feeling to like transfer your emotions into something that people don't really understand and just sing along with. Right. It is so funny. Like one of McFly's biggest songs ever is obviously it's their second single. And it's like, obviously she's out of my league. Right. And he, he's like singing about this girl. He has a huge crush on who like is dating a Marine. Um, (laughs) And like that song is about like Tom from McFly he may he later married this woman so like tom (laughs) tom and the and g who this song is about are married now with like several children but every day that he performs he gets on stage and he sings about the time that they weren't together and she was dating a police officer and that's why we were talking about that's why we talk about this and obviously because we were like imagine being that ex-boyfriend and they're like yeah i dated giovanna are you sure it was that or or about Paul K because they named the song after they named that song after someone Dougie went to school with and that song's very depressing and about a man who is going through a midlife crisis and is very depressed about it the point is (laughs) no one is safe songs are weird no is safe 
if you are involved with an artist, um, look out. That's, watch out. that's why it's good that like <laughs> you're so vain and up until recently, uh, the other one, the 90s version of You're So Vain, uh, You Ought to Know by Alanis Morissette. Uh, yeah. Up until recently, they, nobody knew who they were about because the songwriters wisely did not disclose that. Right. So like, like supposedly You're So Vain is about either Warren Beatty or I think Mick Jagger. It's That's supposed to be awesome. about one of the two, but then like, uh, and, and Carly Simon never said who You're So Vain is about, but then like a couple of years ago, apparently it's like part of a celebrity auction. Alanis Morissette disclosed that You're So Vain is about Uncle Jesse from Full House, or um, uh, that, uh, that you ought to know is about Uncle Jesse from Full House. John Stamos. Yeah. No. 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 Sorry. Not. Not John Stamos. I'm getting my Full House. Uh, Dave Uncle Cooley. Joey. Uncle Joey. Yes. Thank you. Uh, is what? about Uncle Joey. And uh, <laughs> that's even weirder. <laughs> so when you read the lyrics about like the movie theater and all that, just imagine all of that being yeah. between, <laughs> between Uncle Joey and Alanis Morissette. <laughs> I get it. Uh, like, I don't know anyone from the 90s that wasn't like watching Full House like, all right, Uncle Jesse can get it. But Joey? Really? Yeah, Uncle Joey. It's because yeah. he's a funny guy. He is funny. Funny guy. guys get it in, for sure. Look, Uncle Jesse's a funny guy. It's like the line from uh, from who's from Who Framed Roger Rabbit when they ask uh, Jessica Rabbit why yes. she married Roger and she's like, he makes me laugh. Exactly. <laughs> We are also overlooking, and specifically I'm going to bring it up because Davis is sitting here as our guest. We are overlooking the most famous person, I think, who does this, which is Taylor Swift. Wait, okay. really? Right? Writing songs about people and oh, everyone oh. knowing what those songs are about. <laughs> I thought you meant Taylor Swift did this song. And was... No. <laughs> well, that's I'm crazy. Like, yeah, she did lies. I'd like to oh hear God. that. If she covered the McFly song, my life would be complete. Uh, that would be just, like the perfect conjoining. Yes, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift does do that. Taylor, we know you're listening. Please cover one song. It can be any McFly song of your choice. At least here we're like, who's this real bitch of a girl? We don't know. Taylor Swift's like, you want to know who the bitch is? I'll tell you. Right? It's It's Harry Styles. It's Jake Gyllenhaal. It's Jake Gyllenhaal. It's John Mayer. It's Katy Perry. Right? It's Joe Jonas. Yeah, the thing that I think is funny about, about Taylor Swift is with Red, you can really tell when she starts dating Jake Gyllenhaal because he's clearly like, there's clearly a complex that they each have where like he's too cool for her and she thinks he's too cool for him. And I mean like in like a lame way where like I'm too cool, like I'm too indie. And because like every other line in that is like you and all your indie rock records. That's my favorite thing about that That are much cooler than mine much cooler than mine my favorite thing is that when mr perfectly fine came out like she released that for the first time just this year but it's from the fearless era when she's dating joe jonas and so it's like widely assumed to be about joe jonas even though that was like a decade ago that that mattered yeah and so the song came out and then joe jonas's wife like tweeted about it and was like okay but mr perfectly fine is like a total tune though (laughs) right and i just i love that (laughs) what's joe jonas's wife name because women have me i don't know her name but i know that she <laughs> i know that she's wow i apparently i don't even know that sansa stark in game of thrones there it is wait really sophie yeah. turner Wild. sophie turner tweeted sophie turner's husband dated taylor Swift. you're right the only reason i didn't do that is because i didn't know her name but i love her as sansa stark she's great she was awesome in Game of Thrones. Davis is confirming this now. Yeah, well, I'm trying to think about like starting like a chain here and see where we can get. So if we go Sophie Turner, Joe Jonas, Taylor Swift, where who would we then jump to? Ed Sheeran. Is this Ed Sheeran? Okay. But who has Ed Sheeran dated then? So you got to go from Ed Sheeran to someone. Where's your trying to go? Ed Sheeran dated Ellie Goulding. I don't know. Also I'm just trying to see how far Actually, we Ed, Ed Sheeran never dated Ellie Goulding. They hooked up a couple times. He's like, I really like you. And she's like, no thanks. And then she <gasps> Niall Horn. And he's like, what the f-? I'm gonna have to cut that part. Right. But <laughs> look, the, po- the point is, is that there's a connection between Ellie Goulding and Ed Sheeran. And then there's a connection between Dougie Pointer from McFly and Ellie Goulding. So we're bringing it back to McFly, which is why we've all gathered here today. <laughs> all roads lead back to McFly. I, I have a question. Yes. As I was listening to this, because I my instinct, because I play music, my instinct was to think of this musically. So all of my first notes were about it, the musicality of the song. Tell us everything. Okay. So I was trying to figure out, like, what does it sound like? What would I compare it to? I, my first thought was I wasn't crazy about the lyrics, as I already mentioned, but I loved the hook. 
I think the hook is very catchy and energetic. It's really like kind of hook that can like carry you through your day. It's like, it reminded me of like a 80s hook, like My Sharona or something like, or like a Peter Gabriel or like a Phil Collins song. Like it has this very like, like you're just going. And I, I really enjoyed the hook to the song, but I had to kind of divorce it from the lyrics a little bit because it felt to me like a happy song. Right. Except for the lyrics. So my question is what tradition or like what musical tradition is McFly coming from? Like who are their predecessors in either in like the subculture that they're in or like the kind of songs that they're writing? So musically, I think their biggest influences would be boy bands in the style, not of NSYNC and Backstreet Boys, but in the style of the Beach Boys and the Beatles. Okay. Uh, That was definitely their first album, but I think they grew and matured into like Blink-182. Yeah, that was going to be the next one Mm -hmm. out of my mouth. Queen Mm -hmm. follows Mm -hmm. them. So like Busted is their closest predecessor as far as like what it was happening in Britpop in the early 2000s. But if you just Mm -hmm. look like through the long history of like pop music that's inspired them. Yeah, like they start around the Beach Boys and the Beatles. Then they go into like more like stadium rock. Right, like Blink-182. This to me felt very like stadium rock. Yeah. Like their sound diverges quite a lot from album to album, but I would say this is like them in their like truest, purest form. Also, Danny, the lead singer, or the I mean, the the one who stands in the center, is the front uh, man. The front man. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Stephanie and I have had he's not the leader, many debates about this, but he's a huge, and I think Davis, you'll see it. I regret that you didn't get to watch more performances because there's not a lot of performance in this one. But he's a huge Springsteen fan. I could see a little uh-huh. bit of that. Yeah, if, the body yeah. language, a kind of like really like very showman kind of body language. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of pointing and like yeah. little dancing and stuff. I think if you had watched a different video, either like a live performance or even a different music video where they do a little bit more performing, you would see mm-hmm. it even more, right? Lies is unique in that it stands out as one of the most narrative, even cinematic, of their music videos. A lot of them have way more per live performance. Right. I want to talk about the music video. Yeah. yeah. The music video was very bonkers. Yes. And I think that might have been John Hurt narrating it. I'm not sure who it was, but it was definitely like the like in the after times. I right. think that was John Hurt. I I, I want to confirm that, but that's a really distinctive voice. It, it The video felt a little dated to me. Like the special effects, like it all looked very like mid 2000s. Well, it was well, 2008, David. I know, but like, but I, I don't know <laughs> that it's held up. Like some, some things from then, like Lord of the Rings is like still looks good, you know? I don't know if like the special effects have held up in this video. <laughs> Definitely like ready, the budget to, ready to turn Lord off of my Rings mic has. right now. They filmed this shoot in three days. Also, <laughs> every time I start watching this music video, I keep thinking about how much they didn't want to do it. Like, there's some behind right, the scenes right. footage mm-hmm. from the like making of album, and like everyone's like, "Okay, so we've got this idea for lies, and you're gonna like act and stuff." And like all of them are like in the tour bus, like, "No, like I think that's stupid. No, no." Is this no. like one of their biggest hits? I would say it's in the top ten. Okay, I like yeah. so they is this the only one they have like a music video like this it's the most cinematic but they they often have some narrative elements and the Mm -hmm. others as well the only one i can think of is a party yeah party girl which comes later so this was nowhere left to run yeah so they they do it again but this is the first time that there's ever this is the first time i think correct me if i'm wrong stephanie this is the first time that they ever and it's only danny and he only has one line but this is the first time that they have any dialogue from themselves pre the song. Are we going to count Dougie's hello and do ya? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's still technically after this. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. Yeah, this is the first time I think that they have any dialogue pre the song, right? Like there's a narrator, which none of the other music videos have a narrator. And then there's also Danny's like, wow, right? <laughs> I want that to be as iconic as Tuggy, don't go into the woods. I don't know why it's not. Like he said, he has two lines, right? He's like, it's the hydro cell. We're out of water. water. And then he like points at the thing. He filmed that scene like A plus. five times. I watched the making of video, uh, Davis, so you wouldn't have any reason to know this, but like mm-hmm. they had to do like six or seven takes for him to just say this one line because he couldn't stop laughing. And then like one time, I think he got it right. But then when he closed the hood, his scarf got stuck. it was like a nightmare to film that one scene that one line but this is the first time that they've ever done anything like that this like this narratively explicit yeah and they were totally against the idea when i was brought to them by their team but they did it and here we are discuss it are mcfly the eco warriors of 2008 
let's discuss. So I had no idea like that this came out in 2008 and I assumed <laughs> that it was like a take on the Mad Max movie that came out in like 2015, <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road. And yeah. I was like, okay, this is a pretty good take on Mad Max Fury Road. I mean, no, like, McFly no, Trendsetters. They, ahead of their time beat mad max which means by the way that like mad max wasn't on people's like cultural radars in 2000 it was a thing from the 80s mm -hmm. that like people weren't like it wasn't like a trenchant like it wasn't like an of the moment cultural reference to make right. it 2008 right. so you had to dig kind of deep to be like i'm gonna reference mad max now right. specifically with water which is the point of one of the Mad Max, it's actually gasoline, but still like, it is the point of one of the Mad Max movies. So it's like very clearly kind of made for yeah. like fans of Mad Max. And I love that. And I really do want to know if that's John Hurt doing the narration too. I could not find that information. There's nothing on the Wikipedia. And, there, and if I Google it, like they're like, I don't know what this means. I've never seen Mad Max. So I probably will not contribute to this conversation. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you're right. You're like, oh, what an obscure like 80s reference that they just did with this Mad Max video. Right. But like, it was a band called McFly. Yeah. They're already doing that. They got their name yeah. from Back to the Future. And in fact, the music video for the single that came out just before Lies opens with the same scene from Back to the Future where Marty is like twisting the dials on the amp and then gets blown back. And I'm afraid that mo most of your audience is British. They're going to be horrified because I think Mad Max is not as popular in the US because it's Australian. I right. think it's more popular in other the rest of the English speaking world than in the US. Right. So I'm sorry to the British audience if if I just like it, they're like Mad Max is not obscure and I'm like probably not I, as <laughs> much. In, it's okay. Some, we do yeah. things differently. Right. But they they're doing that, you know, like they they're referencing yeah. all of that, right? They do that. They do that in the music video just before that. They have that back to the future reference. The dancing is really good in that video, but and the one for the radio. The only one I watched, uh, Lies. Okay, Lies. The music video starts with this monologue, which I don't, did you read the monologue? I know we listened to it, but it's different than like reading it. Yeah, I did. You read the monologue. I, I love the beginning of this video just because it's nothing they've ever done before. And I love the monologue. So you're not like completely confused as to why they're in like, the desert, right. just like riding in a <laughs> car. But there's like a line in the monologue that's like, only the strong and the quick survive. Mm -hmm. Which make, made me LOL because they have a song on this album called Only the Strong Survive. Yeah, I noticed that too. I was like, oh, is that a shout out to the other song on their album? I keep thinking about now John Hurt. Big Davis, <laughs> right? Like, but now we only have the memories. But like, it's an American accent. So is this John Hurt and an American accent? Is it an American accent? Well, then I'm, I'm, delete everything I said about John Hurt if it's an American accent. I didn't think it was, but. No, I'm kidding. It sounds American <laughs> accenty to me. I mean, That's maybe right. I'm right, Brits. I can't distinguish an American and a British accent. <laughs> Apparently, I can't either. Maybe you're right, and I'm wrong. Hold up, hold up. Can listen I? Can I again. play? I I want to listen to it right now because I really would be shocked. I was so sure this is like if this isn't John Hurt, they hired somebody to sound. Let me, let me see. Is that an American or a British accent? I don't know. <laughs> I I cannot. Hell. Okay, I think it's American, but it's one of those. Okay, so so hey Brits, we here in America think anybody who talks fancy sounds British. So he's he's just like now the countless fathoms, and I just thought it was British because he was enunciating. Right. I think, and he was like, oh no, down in the countless fathoms, right. move on, they're looking for water. And right. I was like, apparently, I think somebody fancy sounds like John Hurt. So. <laughs> I don't know. It's like the American John Hurt. It could be John Hurt doing an American accent. How could they have afforded John Hurt? I guess how could they? That was a silly thing. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how famous they are. I have no context for this. It's like, could they afford John Hurt? Before we started this podcast, we had no context either. So it's fine. It's fine. we don't know. There were a lot of people at their concert that they recorded in 2008. There are so, always a lot of people at their concerts. They are, I mean, they, they do arenas. You, do. you have to be popular to sell out arenas or you won't, you can't do arenas. So right, right. they are very popular. But okay, so let's talk about, so you mentioned Mad Max. And the only thing I know about Mad Max, because I've never seen it, is the wild outfits people have in right. the in this post-apocalyptic world. So let's talk about their outfits in this video, because <laughs> they have chosen some very interesting style pieces. I will save my favorite for last. It's Dougie in a blazer. Dougie is in a blazer. I said last, Samantha. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I can't save it for last because my first note is Dougie looks great. 
He looks amazing, okay? He's got, like, the hair. He's got, like, feathers in his hair. He's got some guy liner on. He's, like, wearing, like, race. Like, I don't even know what this is. A bracelet? But it's not a bracelet. It's, like, a big thing. What's that called? I don't know. It doesn't matter. He looks amazing. He has dingly earrings. I would like to interrupt this program to maybe let Davis know who in McFly. So Yeah, I have no idea who I'm looking at. Okay, I've got no. Don't look at any pictures. I've got pictures for you. Well, no, I don't mean that. I just mean for the context of the video. Like, I just feel like it's worth pointing out, right? So, like, Dougie is the one that we're talking about in the blazer. Yeah, the guy in the blazer looks really good. Danny okay. is the one with the curly hair wearing the plaid with the scarf. Uh, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so Danny and Dougie, and then Harry has the mohawk. Okay. And, the and other then the one, drummer is the drummer. Well, Harry is the drummer. Oh, Harry's the drummer. The, who's the guy? Okay, that's not a mohawk. That's just vaguely spiked up hair. The vaguely spiked up hair is Tom. Oh, that's okay. a cornrow guy. I think Dougie's the cutest of the four. Well, I keep going back and forth because who do you say the third one was in the scarf? Now I'm thinking the guy in the scarf. <laughs> that's Danny. A bit... Danny, yeah, I think I'm actually going to go with Danny. I, I like him a little better. Yeah. yeah, I think he's my number one here. He's my number one too, Davis. I get it. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. Basically, on any metric, I evaluate them. The drummer comes last. Sorry. Whoa. This Whoa. Is oh, I'm sorry. I, I just... <laughs> I just he just doesn't do anything for me. I don't know. He looks like the guy from Lost, the like the doc, There's like so the many. main guy, Jack from Jack? Lost. He does he looks, not look like Jack like, from Lost. To me, Ew. I'm just like guy, you're just kind of so you're literally just saying that because they are two was, white men with brown hair. You are literally probably in the just army. saying that. I am so upset <laughs> that you would drive a truck. say that to me. Are I people from so the UK going to like fly here to kill me now? Is no. this going to be bad? <laughs> I would say that it's an injustice. Uh, okay, maybe Harry... I need to look at more no. pictures of him. No, 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 not not what you're saying. I would say okay. that I would say Harry is the the most is often right. Like he has the least oh. amount of like specific fangirls. And that's what I think is an injustice. But I, I think most people would be like, yeah, I agree with you. Right? Like, I think most people are either Danny, Dougie, Tom, and then Harry girls are the lowest. I'm not going to lie. This Number. picture you just sent, Steph, none of these people look like the same people in this picture. <laughs> so they're all grown up. Who's the guy dressed like Ace Ventura? That's Danny. That's, okay, he's he still, still my number one. Danny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's still the top. Well, he's got a good smile. Me I mean, too. Like, I did it too. Really happy. I I grew up and I was yeah. like, curly hair, Danny's my favorite. And then he grew up and I grew up and I was like, yeah. Hawaiian shirt, Danny's my favorite. Yeah. Ace Ventura, Danny. I'm with you. I 100p understand you. Yeah, no, drummer is still the most boring. I'm sorry. He's just, he looks like just like a guy who I probably would not get along with. He looks like a guy who likes football and I just wouldn't have anything to talk about. This is supposed to come at the end the, of the podcast. It's true. We do, we do ask you at the end who your favorite is. But I wanted Davis to be able to contribute to like, right? I didn't want us to talk about Dougie's hair and Tom's hair and like Danny's scarf and Davis have no No, I understand. Here. I completely understand. I actually, I'm trying to figure out if I still think that Tommy's the one who's best dressed. And I think he is. Although in that first picture you sent me, I think they, they're all poorly dressed. I'm sorry. Or the one where they're all wearing a Hurley merchandise. I don't yeah. know what Hurley is. I do not think any of them are are well dressed in that picture. Personally, that is not my style. Uh, the post apocalyptic thing, I think, looks awesome. That kind of is my style, so I'm all about that. Especially Tommy's look. I think he nails every single aspect of that. I also wear a lot of plaid. Calling him Tommy cracks me up. Wait, what's his name? I think you're combining them. Dougie is the one you're talking about with like the blazer. The one standing next to him with goggles around his neck is Tom. That's Tom. Who's the third guy? Danny. Danny's the one I like. Danny's the one you like. Dougie's the one one you're talking about, and Tom is the one in your head. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. This is <laughs> this, this is, is why, this is why we didn't want you to know any of this before you got here. Okay. It's always so funny. <laughs> I'm glad I can be amusing. Yeah, no, so Danny's Danny's the number one. Danny's still Ace Ventura, dude, right? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, he's the number you, one. You are definitely a Danny girl. Yeah, totally. One hundred percent. And then Dougie, I mean, he's a solid close second. Nothing against him. He's just not like He's not up to quite Dan- Danny to okay. me. And I don't remember which who does what in the group. But if I were to look at these three pictures, I would be like, I bet Danny is the Harry Styles, Justin Timberlake, Paul McCartney, yeah, Brian he's the, Wilson. He's the breakout. Springsteen front man. Yeah, he's the Springsteen yeah, he's, front man. He's the breakout. Yes. I would from these three pictures guess he's the guy who's kind of the front facing charismatic 
Not that the others aren't, because I'm sure they are, but like he's got that like extra layer of soul. But yeah, he's what's the his last name? From it. Danny Jones. Can we bring back the news video? Can oh, sorry, sorry, bit? sorry. <laughs> I get distracted very easily here. Okay, to return to this a bit. McFly will perform for water. Um, what is so? What is the actual story playing out in this video? So the actual story playing out in this video is it's a post-apocalyptic world. Uh, water is scarce. It is a coveted resource. These people called water barons have taken it and can purify it to make it drinkable or put it in your engine or whatever the hell they're doing with it. And so McFly run out of water in the beginning and they're like, oh no. And so they push their van to this closest civilization and they get there and they're like, we need water. And girl's like, okay, but you got to perform for it, bro and they do and they're like performing and they're like actually this sucks and then they get superpowers and then there's a fight and you watched the there's video. a fight I did I and okay. Tom beats the water baroness and she gets real mad about this then her thug with a chainsaw comes out and it's vroom vroom and they steal water get in the car, get in their van and then they drive away only for I guess a few feet I don't know and their water goes out and then they go after him and we don't know if they died. That's the story. I have a <laughs> conflicting interpretation of this water baroness. So in the music video, Davis, that's the one with the blue hair. Right, right. So she's like, yeah, I've got some, I've got water. You need to perform for us. And then she like pulls them off the stage and then they have to have this great battle to escape. And Stephanie's like, she thinks the song sucks. I think I didn't that- say that. I said they said this sucks we don't want to be performing monkeys right well i think they get bla- they get blasted off the stage i don't think they get blasted off the stage i think that's just like their powers that's what yeah you thought was their superpowers yeah and i thought that i at that point i was just rolling with every bonkers thing that happened in this video right. so i assume that was just some random thing that happened <laughs> yeah i mean and they do like they do fight with light like in the battles um, and i guess the thing that is going for it that maybe it's like their superpowers is it's that red color that like tom uses to defeat the water baron who has they all magic. use the red color though right that's what i'm saying like, they're all like fighting this flash mob i don't know how they defeated a flash mob like that and then dougie's like boo hits the ground and like there's a red light and they're like oh crap and then danny does some ninja moves and there's red light yeah he no. flips a guy there's that like extreme slow motion close-up of a water bottle that like that wow works. i that seemed very dramatic and important well this is because my interpretation is not that they stop the performance themselves or like I thought you were saying she stops them because she's like not pleased with the payment, right? Like that's no. one option, right? Is like if they're performing this song for water for their van, she stops them and then they have she's not pleased with the payment, she and so she's not going to give them the water and then they have to fight. But like this girl, this person, Woman. yeah. Like I I want to be like this bitch. Um but then I was like no because <laughs> of our earlier <laughs> conversation, right? This baroness wants them so bad. Right? Like she like the look that she gives them before they get on the stage and then as they're performing is like so spoiler. Scaling. No, like she she's feeling something. And um and that's why I think the water bottle scene that Davis brought up where it like falls through the air and then crashes down is so important, right? Because they get blasted off the stage and then the blue baron like signals all of these people to stop them, right? She kicks the water bottle out of Dougie's hands which doesn't really make a lot of sense to waste that kind of water in this kind of world unless you want them to stay, which means you need to take their water away so that they have to stay with you because you're obsessed with them. Okay, so I guess, but I also was just reading the Wikipedia page when I was telling the story. But if she was pleased with the performance, why would she stop them in the middle of it? Because she wants them bad, right? She stops them to like kick the water bottle out of the hand, right? She's like, stay and be my sex No, but Dougie stole, no, okay. But Dougie stole that when they like came off the stage. Right. He stole that from somebody in the crowd. And they were like, give us our water back. And they're like, no, we need it. And then, like, her little sidekick came up and, like, did some fancy twists and turtles and kicked out of his hand. And also, like, why is your most precious resource in something that is breakable? Also, it's a plastic water bottle. So, like, why would plastic even shatter (laughs) like that? I wondered the same thing. And actually, I think I have that on my list of questions to ask. But, yeah, it's it's very strange. Maybe it's not plastic. Well, I feel like if water is a scarce resource plastic should theoretically be even scarcer right i don't feel like it decays what is that word not decay it definitely doesn't shatter 
(laughs) (laughs) So that doesn't make any sense. Well, I was going to say, I don't know that you could have this. And this is sort of a challenge to many post-apocalyptic movies, Waterworld, Mad Max among them. I don't know that you could have this infrastructure with that little amount of water. Like if water is that Mm -hmm. scarce, I don't know that you could have these like, I don't know that you could have electricity um right. uh, these let alone these big like butt thumping amps and like soundstage setup they got here right. like i just don't think that would that that would work like you need water is the one of the basic things you need to have all the rest of that stuff right right maybe she's like super rich right. maybe that's like a wealthy civilization that they like stumbled upon and that's why she has so many people there but also some of those people look like they're unwell well that's what i was gonna say is like like some of these people right like their like faces are scarred or they're like mutated right like this is way more than just like environmental collapse and i wonder if you could like wave your hands and sci-fi away what davis is bringing up about like how do you have electricity without water and blah 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 right is like this is more than just like oh the planet got hot and dried up right like some kind of like chemical like nuclear shit had to have gone down right for some of these people to look this way oh my god y'all it's radioactive Yes, that's the name of the album. That makes so much yes. sense. It's a radioactive apocalypse. Right. But anyway, these people are like mutated. So maybe if it's like, oh, there's some weird like nuclear whatever, whatever. And then that's why they are having like electricity and shit without having water because everything is radioactive and glows now, including them. They are literally radioactive. That's how they got their superpowers. Right, that's what I'm saying, right? Like that, it all, it's all coming together. It's all there in the title of the album. God, so obvious. I mean, <laughs> the point is that they have superpowers now. They have superpowers now, and they defeated an entire flash mob. That chainsaw is amazing. That it's chainsaw is like long. eight feet long. Yeah. Have you been watching this video the whole yeah. time? Yeah. Okay. Because he's <laughs> mutated. <laughs> I've I've been just like like free well what I've been doing is like freeze framing like every five seconds right, right. oh yeah. oh wow wow okay look so this you know how this came out right before or, or not right before like like eight years before Mad Max Fury, yeah. Fury Road so there's a character in Mad Max Fury Road and it's Charlize Theron's character okay uh, Furiosa. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, that's her name. Okay. And if you go to five minutes, 20 seconds on the YouTube video that I'm looking at, at least, there is literally a character who looks identical. OK, so look up Furiosa Fury Road and then look at the woman like the woman with a shaved head in the middle of these three guys of these these three people. Right. And there's like what? a guy on the left and a, uh, a guy on the left with like chainmail on like stuff and then there's a guy on the right with like goggles and then in the middle there's this woman and she's got like black like raccoon makeup yeah totally you heard it here first you guys the creators of mad max fury road are huge mcfly fans i think it's fully possible like i'm, <laughs> I'm not i mean look, okay so they're so the the mad max movies are made in australia look okay so so th- i mean this is an australian but they're pretty big in australia right yes this album was actually recorded in australia it's fully possible i think this video i think there's a really good chance this video was shot in australia the lies music video they just recycled uh, McFly's music video right. props. Right. You, yeah. <laughs> totally true McFly facts. Write this down. <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road is based off of the Lies of McFly music video. Okay, so who directed this video? Because I want to see if they were involved in any way with uh, the making of Mad Max. Uh, one of the directors is named Ben Foley, and then the other one is Chris Hope. Okay, how do you, okay, so Chris, uh, how do you spell Ben Foley? Foley. Foley is F-O-L-E-Y. Oh, he worked on I'm Thinking of Ending Things. That movie was great. Chris Hopewell. Okay, Chris Hopewell directed videos for Radiohead, Franz mm-hmm. Ferdinand, mm-hmm. The Killers. Yeah, but as far as I can tell, was not involved in the making of Mad Max Fury Road. So like straight up, uh, Chris Hopewell, at least, has directed some really incredible videos. They're There by Radiohead, which is a just phenomenal video. Comfortably Numb by the Scissor Sisters. Uh, th- that's like really quality. Like that's a really... And there, there was 2003. So like he was already one of the, obviously like one of the most visionary. He also did Smile Like You Mean It by The Killers. It's really good. Uh, Vice by Razorlight, which is really good. So he was already like pretty, 
far into his career when he did this. Yeah. While I'm going to put your boots on. That video is so good. Sorry. Go on. No, you're good. Do you still have the lies video up? Are you doing your free freeze frames? I can do freeze frames. I can get it back up. I want you to go um, to like four minutes in and tell me if you think that this woman is thirsty as hell for McFly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to have so much McFly stuff in my YouTube uh, yeah. algorithm now. You okay. What time? Be free. What, what's the time uh, signature? It's like 3.52. Go there and play for a little Isn't bit. Isn't that just the same lady as the Baroness? Yeah, that's the, the Baroness. Baroness. Yeah, the blue-haired lady is the Baroness. And I think she wants them real bad. That is, yeah, that's a smoldering look. Mm -hmm. I think you're right that this originates from a desire on her part to keep McFly as some sort of harem. Right, she's like, be my sex slaves. I'm taking your water. Get out of here. And like, and that's why they have to have this battle because like she sends the the woman who's like more like dressed in the black. Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the one who looks like Helena Bonham Carter. <laughs> like she's like bouncer, right? She's like her security. And so she sends that girl, that woman in there to like bite them up. And then the whole mob is like, okay, for the Baroness. There's just some we'll incredible backflips, by the way. Right? Yeah, and they have to so fight their way out. Because they're like, no, we won't be your sex slaves. And so then she enters the battle and she like lifts Tom into the air and she's like, I can control you. And he's like, no, I consent matters. Right. And then he <laughs> escapes with his friends. But she wants them real bad. Why do like ping pong balls pop out of them when they hit the ground? Sorry, I got real distracted. So Are you looking at Dougie again? I am because he walks in. <laughs> to like this crowd of people at like 226 and he's like the leader of the pack and he's just like looking around and i'm like if you ever walk into a room like that sir there'd be no holding me back you're like be my sex slave <laughs> <laughs> you totally understand this baroness's desire i might disagree with you sam and i'm starting to think again now thinking about it literally every single look she does in this entire video is just that same smoldering look so I think that's just how she looks. But I think that's how she looks at McFly specifically. Because she's not looking. That's how she looks at everyone. That's the only people The only people she looks at in this whole video is McFly. <laughs> that's possibly true. That's not true. She looks at her white hand woman. Okay, she's wait, like, wait, wait. Yeah. She looks at the woman. She does not do the same look. Oh, right. no, she's levitating. Do you have anything else to say about this video that should be said? I think we've pretty much covered it. I want to reiterate a couple of things. I want to reiterate that... Definitely this, I really strongly believe this was an influence on Mad Max Fury Road in some yeah. way. And I would true McFly back. Because specifically the, the, the like eye band painting. I don't think, I don't know if that's in a previous Mad Max movie and it might be. And I'm going to look up, you know, like some other like Road Warrior. I don't know if it's in previous Mad Max movies. I don't think it is. And that would, to me, suggest that it, at some point in the creation of Fury Road, they might have looked at stuff that Mad Max inspired, right? They might have been like, okay, so where has this genre gone in the 30 years since we've made a Mad Max movie? And they might have seen this video, and they might have taken some inspiration from it. It's possible. Trendsetters, McFly. Record holders, trendsetters. Record holders, trendsetters. But is that it about the video? Yeah, about the video, let's see. I'm still, I, I, I'm still trying to figure out the accent of that guy, but I think you're probably right that it's just a very overly enunciated American accent that makes it sound vaguely British to American ears. Right. Mm -hmm. The special effects, I do think, are a little dated. Not, you know, but I, I think it, I think it's in a charming way. I think I've kind of come around that, like, you know, but it, 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 it works. They're just so cute. For what it is. And uh, the chainsaw is Im Im impressively massive. So we have a thing here, Davis, that we do at the end of our episodes after we talk about the video and kind of like, you know, chit chat about it. We have a thing called the Thirsty Award. We basically take people from the video and find out who is the most thirsty in this video for anything. We've had a pair of arms win this award technically everyone here is thirsty this is literally a video about a water shortage that's true that's yeah this i would just say <laughs> i'm pretty sure sam makes that joke every music video and every thirsty award this is the first time they've ever had a video about a water shortage yeah this is I'm literally sorry. Um, you literally say the same joke in star girl when they were pouring water water on dougie like oh like, right. how many of their videos involve water a lot of them a lot of them at least this is the at least the like sixth time that I've made a joke about thirsty and then being like, I want a drink of water. But it is the first time that I made that joke because of a water shortage. I think this is the most appropriate use of, of thirst as a joke 
uh, for this because literally the video is about thirst. I would argue that everybody in this video is equally thirsty. No, it's obviously the Blue Baroness. It's obviously the Blue Baroness. I bet, but I bet in that sense, in, in the sense you mean it, yes. But she's also probably the least thirsty of everyone right. because as the leader of this community, she gets all the water. It's like a Kim Jong-un situation, you know? Like she gets yeah. She's the most well hydrated, but she's also the horniest. Uh, those two things often True. go together. <laughs> It's like, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't be horny. Everyone else in this music video is like, I can't be thirsty because I'm already really thirsty. Like, <laughs> like I'm too dehydrated to be horny. And she's like, I'm not. I would give it to everyone but her in one sense and <laughs> only her and no one else. There the can only be one winner. Either the group of people thirsty for water or the Baroness group thirsty for a group of people. She I think it's gotta so be the Baroness. Bad. She wants them so bad she tried to kidnap them to be her sex slave. Pretty intense. I mean, like, understandable, but also, like, kind of a bad right. move. Stephanie's like, hashtag tie yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, congratulations to the Water Baroness for winning Most Thirsty for the Lies video. Love that for her. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to say? Where musically, where would you recommend I go with McFly next? What would be the next song I listen to? Sort of enjoying on a musical level to sort of continue to expand my knowledge of them as uh, performers and musicians. Uh, radioactive album. You should stick. You should stay on this album. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And then when you finish that, go to the rest of them and just listen to them all. Cool. Like always, if you agree, disagree, or just want to make two new friends, please follow us on your, our social medias at Make Who the Podcast. If you want to follow us on our personal accounts, you can follow me at Steph to do. That's Steph underscore T O D O. And I'm on Twitter at Sam underscore Edmonds one twenty two. I'm on uh, I'm on Twitter at Davis Donovan D A V I S D U N A V I N. But I'm not on Twitter very much, so uh, don't <laughs> expect anything if you follow me. Which I'm just a great salesman. Uh, I I tweet very little. Um, however, I do suggest that if you're a podcast listener, and I assume you are, you subscribe to my podcast, which is called Off the Path. And you can find that on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, tweet every single sexy picture of Harry Judd that you can find to at Davis Donovan on Twitter.com. That's true. That will <laughs> definitely get me to use Twitter more. <laughs> just be like, oh, yeah, he's not doing it for you. And then just keep tweeting Davis pictures of Harry. Also, don't forget to rate and comment our podcast on your favorite podcast site. It may not seem like a lot, but it helps the podcast out so much. And since you're there already, give Miku a follow so you don't miss out on any future episodes. And we'll see you next time with Do Ya. Thanks for listening. Do you, do you, do you love me? (laughs) Bye.